Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. You don't want it in the middle of the season. You don't want it at the end of the season. 
this is really the only time you can have it. But because baseball is 162 games, and you have guys ramping up a little too soon and guys trying to do a little too much, invariably there's going to be some injuries to some guys. And it may not be this major injury that you know about. But guys are going to come out of this with a few more innings on their arms than they would normally have. You, you got guys who are going to who started ramping up sooner rather than later. That's more innings on them. So as the season goes on, you may see some guys wear down a little sooner than they normally would simply because this is not what their bodies are trained to do. Their bodies are trained to start at this time and pretty much end at this time, and now you have them starting almost a month and a half sooner than they normally do which is less rest time, and as we all know, the more rest your body can get, the stronger your body is, the better you are as a player. But so far, it's been some good games. We got, um, oh, goodness. Got the Netherlands has has played a couple of good games. We got Panama won some games. We have, obviously, Japan, and everybody talking about, wants to talk about Shohei Otani. And, uh, you know, listen, in, in many ways, I'm kind of over it. Listen, I get it. He is a fabulous athlete, tremendously gifted. What he's doing is great. But please stop telling me that he's some unique player. The only reason he's being allowed to do this is because he came over from Japan doing this. If he were an American-born player, they wouldn't even let him do it. They wouldn't even let him do it. It's not that we don't have American-born players who can't do this. It's that they're not allowed to because there's so much specialization now. Oh, you're either going to pitch or you're going to play this. You're either going to do this or you're going to do that. You're going to play football. You're gonna... It's not like when guys just played all sports all the time. So you have kids being steered to only do this or only do that. So we don't know how many show how many more Shohei's are out there from the American side because kids aren't allowed to do it. And if they're not allowed to do it, how can you say that there are none? It, it, it doesn't make any sense, but... He uh, went two for three, double, drove in two runs, four innings pitch, no hits, a couple of strikeouts. I mean, he looked good. Japan is going to be the team to beat for me in this. I know everybody's talking about the American team, the American team, the American team. I'm not as enamored with the American team as, as everyone else is. I, don't, I think the pitching is suspect. And listen, Mark DeRose has never managed a day in his life. So how's that going to work out? I, honestly, I think it's going to be it's the Netherlands, Japan for me, Cuba, obviously the Dominican and Puerto Rico, and then I would say the American team. Even though, again, when you look at the lineup, the American team is stacked. But pitching-wise, there's names there, but some of these guys are older. And, okay, it is what it is when you get with older pitchers. Hold on, I have – let me bring in – who is this I'm bringing What's in? 615 area code. All right, hey, Mike. Man, Mike is here, so yeah. all right, my co-host yeah. Mike is here. Go ahead, Mike. We got to we got to scrambling around and doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of mat wrestling with the kid before bed tonight to burn off that energy, and we lost track of time. So my apologies, I'm here. <laughs> That's all right. But hey, when That's the kid right, wants to grapple man. a little bit, what do you do? <laughs> That's right, man. Listen, listen. Fatherhood comes first, man. Always. So um, I was just talking about uh, the WBC, some of the things I thought about. I don't know how much you heard. Uh, I spoke a little bit of Shohei Otani and how I'm kind of over all of the slobbering and how unique he is. Because in my opinion, American-born players aren't allowed to be two-position players. So we don't know if there's another Shohei out there because they're not allowed to do it. 
let's be honest, if Shohei Tani had been born in the United States, there was no way he would be a two-way player right now. No way. I mean, you can't even get these teams to go to a six-man rotation when it's obvious they need six-man rotations at this point in time because they're not letting starters go long enough and you're burning out your bullpens and you're constantly getting bullpen arms getting injured. And so I just, what, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about the WBC as a whole this season? Well, the interesting thing is, so Otani, when he first came up, somehow it just took some adjusting and his arm wasn't healthy. Then we worried we were going to have to have Tommy John. He was able to come back, but you could see that he had dynamic stuff, but he didn't know where it was going for a little while. And then he looked overmatched at the plate for a little bit as well. And then he finally settled in. Even the second year, we saw him really grow as a hitter, but we really didn't quite see the pitching take off until the next year, right? So then he does it uh, the following year, and I'm like, okay, can you do it again? And he did. So now it's like, okay, uh, I'm officially impressed, regardless of where he came from, because we haven't seen this. Uh, they even made Babe Ruth, for the most part, give up pitching, right? So I, I do think you're right. Like, we see – a lot of uh, college players do it. Um, for example, uh, Tim Hudson was a very good hitter in college. There's <clears throat> um, a guy from Air Force that just transferred to LSU. And he was a 360, 370 hitter last year. But he also touches 96 and 98 on the gun with his fastball. So he transfers to from the Air Force to LSU. And he hasn't really gotten to hit much this year yet. But he's definitely, they're definitely using him as their Friday night starter. So I think that maybe uh, – I'm impressed. I, well, let me say this. I, no, maybe. I'm impressed with what Shohei's been able to do. Are there other guys that can do it? Uh, maybe. It's a little bit more difficult to see if guys have not had a chance to continue to work on that craft by uh, going all the way up. You see a little bit. What's a guy that was with uh, the Reds and the Diamondbacks? Micah Owens, maybe, was his name. Uh, did a little bit of that. And then the Giants have Ronald Guzman. I think he's with the Giants. Who there's talk about him playing first base and maybe some relief pitching. So we'll see if he can do a little bit there. But to your point, it's uh, – it's not something that we see on a regular. Maybe uh, one day they'll let people do it more. But, you know, we, we grew up in a time now and for the last uh, ever how long they make people sort of uh, specialize, right? Um, as far as the classic goes, like, <clears throat> I don't think that this is growing to the extent that they want it to. There's, to me, there's still some cool parts to it, like, you know, reading comments, for example, from like Altuve and Acuna this past week, they both said that from the first time they saw it when they were really young, they really were excited about having the opportunity to represent their country. Um, so I think for certain countries, there's more national pride than others. Um, you know, it's not uh, – the way it's being done right now, it's never going to rise to, you know, something really – that the world pays attention to, like a World Cup or anything, for a couple of generations, and they'd still have to make a lot of changes to it. But, I mean, it's kind of neat. It's sort of a novelty. I think uh, six years in between makes it a little hard because the rotation got messed up with COVID. Uh, I mean, it's a 
it's a novelty and a nice idea. It's some competition to pay attention to scores between now and when the season starts. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not really any more than a passing interest to me. It's not anything that I get fired up about. That was a very long-winded answer. And if you're talking back, you're on mute. Thanks Mike, can that. you hear me? No, I got you. Yep. Oh, I don't know what's going on with my headset. No, what I was saying was is, is I think one of the biggest issues is the fact that they're not showing the games. And I'm not even telling you when the games are on. You've got MLB who has their own network that chose not to show games. Instead, you're showing some nonsense about a top ten third baseman. Who cares? Who cares? You should have been showing the WBC. If you're not going to show it on your own network and you're going to bury it on FS1 where no one even thinks about FS1, when they start thinking about Fox Sports, they, they go to a Fox Sports station rather than FS1, you're not ever going to grow this, this, this tournament. So, and I think of course Fox, the first FS1, game was, FS2, and something called QV or something is the other channel that, it, that they're being yeah. uh, featured on. Now, the U.S. is going to be on Fox this weekend. Right, this weekend, but the opening game – was at 11, okay, because of, because of the time zone it was in, it should have been on MLB.com, it should have been on MLB.tv, it should have been on Fox Sports 1, it should have been on the Fox Network, okay? You want to give people as many opportunities to watch it as possible, but you could only watch it in one place. I went to MLB.com, like, okay, where's the game? What do you, and, and they didn't even talk about it. It wasn't even on their website. How are you going to promote something that's not even on your website? <clears throat> the, and, and here's we the want you to watch thing. this... Go ahead. They've paid so much attention to the app now. You don't see it on the website, but weirdly enough, if you open the MLB app, there's a tab at the bottom that says World Baseball Classic. Yeah, now, I don't know if you bottom, see it should be a big banner. Right, you know what I'm saying? As soon yeah. as you open up, WBC. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And, I, and I'm not sure if you can watch the games off there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just know that it was interesting to me to see a tab there. It's right next to Watch. For like all the game day audio stuff, like uh, if you have the audio at bat or like the MLB TV, right next to right. that watch tab at the bottom is a is a WBC button. Yeah, so they're doing they're 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 not doing it. But again, what can we expect from Rob Manfred, right? Um, one of the things that that because I mean we're gonna do a little bit of baseball, probably a lot more baseball than anything else, is we already got the spring training injuries in Yankees camp, of course. So Rodon is going to miss the start of the season. Tommy Caney is going to miss the start of the season. Uh, Harrison Bader now has an oblique injury. Nestor Cortez is hurt. <laughs> and Frankie Montas is hurt. At what so point? DJ LeMahieu is healthy, LSU Tigers. Say again? DJ LeMahieu is healthy so far this year, LSU Tigers. Yeah. Well, at what point? At what point – well, you know what? I'm not even going to go down that road. This is what I'll say. This is an opportunity for the Yankees to play Jason Dominguez, who I told you should be the starting left fielder. Right. This is an opportunity for them to to figure out a way to get one of the young shortstops, both of the young shortstops, in there. Because to me right now, you have to move Gleyber Torres, and I'm going to tell you why. Everyone says kind of for left. I don't agree with that. If you think about it, right, 
You put you don't put who has more Well, who has more positional value? Labor Torres or Connor Falefa? Connor Falefa can play three or four positions. DJ LeMayhew can play four positions. He can play first, second, third, and short. Connor Falefa can play second, third, short, and catcher. And Lemayhew's catcher. probably he a very the, average shortstop right now. But he can play first, second, third just fine. Now, Glaber Torres, he can play second base. That's pretty much it. Now, you can he move Torres. Be, he might be a serviceable as the Mayhew at shortstop. Yeah, he's serviceable, but you have people who are better defensively. So, if you think about it and you need some pitching, which you do, guess who you can <clears> move <throat> for pitching? You can move Torres. I think now the thing open, that scares him. I think the thing that scares uh-huh. him about moving Torres is because he is younger and because he has shown some pop, uh, there's a fear that he may be, I mean, like he has kind of been up and down and struggled some. Um, but there's a fear that he could be the best or the, the middle infield bat with the highest ceiling, uh, at least on that major league roster right now. Now, your boy that's uh, – Almost up. It's a projected shortstop. That guy probably has a higher ceiling, but uh, there are probably some people in Yankees camp that believes that Glaber that <clears throat> Glaber Torres has the highest ceiling of anybody they could put at second base offensively. And that's and that's the wrong thing to do because here's the thing: Volpe. They keep talking about Volpe's a second baseman. He's not shortstop. He's a second baseman. He's a second baseman. He does not. He he doesn't. If you watch his throws from shortstop, he pushes the ball over. His throw motion is is just not good. Not he's he's a second baseman. I don't care if Glaber's bat eventually plays up. You have a viable replacement. The worst thing that can happen is Volpe or, who, or Volpe at second base is not as good with a bat. Okay, but is much better defensively. That's a wash. And he's younger, and you have him under team control since he ain't so worried about course for a longer period of time. Because you're going to have to make a decision on Torres at the end of the season whether you're going to pay him or get rid of him. If you're not going to pay him, then you may as well move him now. But once again, that's, it is what it is with the Yankees. Have you, have you been Well, you've got to give up to... something to get something. Exactly. Right, like... You have to give up something to get something. So even if you think he does have some offensive firepower and you want to get a legitimate arm, then you might have to trade a guy who can really help another team. You know, the the idea of trading with teams is to, for both of you to benefit and gain from the trade. We're not trying to fleece teams. Otherwise you end up like Danny Ainge and nobody wants to trade with you. Oh, you, well, you end up like Brian Cashman trading for Frankie Montas instead of Luis Castillo. Um, trading for a guy that you knew was hurt and then was like, oh, oh my God, he's like even worse, worse than we knew. Um, have you paid any attention to what's going on in Boston? Mike? Mike, you still there? Did I lose Michael? No, ask your question again. I'm sorry. I was, t- I was oh. answering you on mute. Um, have you paid any attention to what's going on in Boston? <clears throat> a little bit. I know that the uh, I know that the Tristan Cassis is hitting the ball pretty well early on in the spring. Um, you know, Devers has gone to the Dominican Republic. 
I don't know what that pitching staff is going to look like. So I have not been, I have not paid a ton of attention to the Red Sox yet. Well, Paxton is hurt as usual. Um, Chris Sale will be hurt. We all know that. The surprise of the camp was Ramo Tapia. They have to make a decision of Ramo Tapia. Now, if you don't, anybody who doesn't know Ramo Tapia is he came up with Colorado Rockies. The Rockies. His yeah. kid, he is blindingly fast. He's always been good defensively, <clears throat> but his bat was lacking. His bat is finally caught up to the rest of it. Yeah, and his he bat is finally caught up to the rest of it. Played right. for center field. He was uh, Ramel Tapia on his way up. Super highly touted prospect. He played in the, you know, that Futures game at All-Star Weekend. Played in that a couple of times. Like, uh, there were some people that were really talking. And now David Dahl, who's with the uh, Padres. But there was a time that the Rockies thought that Dahl in one of the corners and Tapia in, in center would be their starting outfielders for a decade. Are you there? Yeah, I'll be keeping there, my headset no, no, not no. working right. Yeah, and I'm trying to drown out some some other things I'm hearing. Um, um, but yeah, in, in Boston's camp this 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 spring training, his bat is finally caught up. They're going to have to make a decision, and he could actually force them to do something in the outfield that I don't think they wanted to do because right now, you know, with the outfield, what they had brought over. Uh, who was it they brought over? Oh, my goodness. Was it Duvall? Yeah, I believe it was David Duvall they brought over. They may wind up having to, to, to put one of those guys on the bench. I think Tapia, <clears throat> Rymel Tapia is going to be a starting outfielder for somebody this season. If it ain't Boston, it's going to be somebody. And everybody's going to look at the Red Sox and say, why did you let him go? And they also brought the, the Japanese kid over. Uh, that they signed in the offseason. Right, right. And that's where now it's kind of you kind of tied up your outfield because you, you, you got um, Yoshida, I believe it is, Duvall, you got the other outfielder, and now you have Tapia. So it's going to be interesting what they do. Now their pitching staff is terrible. Whitley is still coming off the injury. Like I said, uh, Paxton's already hurt. <laughs> they got a lot. Of things they going wrong. Listen, Hein Hein Bloom has has really screwed the pooch on this. He has really screwed the pooch on this. And granted, this was with with management's blessing. Um, they're letting him be the fall guy for this, but this is what management wanted. They wanted him to run this like a, a small market team. So this is what they wanted him to do. So this is what you get in the other, fans. I think the other outfielder is Alex Verdugo. Who they got there from go, the Dodgers a couple of years ago. Alex Verdugo right. played a little bit of center in the two corner outfield spots, and you know they're still trying to decide. There's been talk this spring training he could hit second, he could hit anywhere around fifth or sixth, depending on you know how they decide to stack that lineup. But uh, so he's a guy that you know played every day last year for the most part, 16, 17 home runs I want to say, and about 500 at bats. So. Uh, you know, he's another young guy that they're trying to get a good look at. But you're right. Tapia is going to make it hard for somebody. Yeah. And, and Red Sox fans, they're disappointed in Verdugo, but the thing is you overestimated him. Valley Verdugo is a two-hole hitter or a seven-hole hitter. 
He is not a four or five hitter. It's not where that's not what he is. No, if you accept him for what he's in the right lineup. Yeah, you know, if you accept him for what he is, you'll be very happy with him. Okay, he is a really good glue guy, great glue guy, good defensively, actually above average defensively, always going to give you effort, always going to give you his best, but he is not a world beater. Yes, I know, but we traded him for Mookie Betts. I don't care, okay? He is not remotely close to Mookie Betts. You didn't get a Mookie Betts replacement, so stop expecting him to be that and accept him for what he is which is a good player. And you know what? You can win a lot of games with good players. You win a lot of games with them. But you've got to accept them for what they are and stop, and stop complaining about them. Because, listen, I would take Alex Verdugo right now, okay? I'd take him so, over Aaron Hicks. Tell you that. Mookie Betts, is, Mookie Betts is an interesting guy in that he – just not to go play some World Baseball Classic, but one of the things that the Dodgers are playing with that I was reading from David Roberts was that Mookie Betts is probably um, at times this year going to play some second base. He said ideally he may start 110 games in the outfield, but he could see him starting as many as, say, 40 or so games at second base, which he played a little bit over there again last year. And he came up as a second baseman. And he, and he actually said that he actually said that he wants to go back to his roots and play some in the infield. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, if that happens with Mookie this year. Yeah, they they're trying to get Mookie best hurt. Um, there's a reason he got moved to the outfield. There's a reason he got moved to the outfield. See, I'm old no, he got moved Mookie to the Bet. outfield because they had Dustin Pedroia, Gold Glove second baseman. Yes, that's, because he wasn't good enough to beat him out. He wasn't. He was never going to beat him out. Mookie but at the Bet same time. At the same time, you're not trying. You're not trying to beat him out. You don't want to. You 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 have, you had a hole on that team in right field, so you moved him to the outfield right before he comes up for him to play out there. Um, but he was he's plenty passable as a defensive second baseman. You just don't need to. You, you don't want to replace a guy who's already a stalwart in the middle of your lineup with another guy, or try to have him beat him out. If you can bring him up, it's kind of like what Mookie Betts is just a better athlete than the other guy I'm about to mention, but it's kind of like when Miguel Cabrera first came up with the Marlins. That guy played left field for the first year because you had Mike Lowe and Derek Lee on the infield. Now they ended up putting and him in the third base. Yeah, and then they moved him to third base. Yeah, because he was a better yeah. third baseman. My, my point with Betts is Betts is okay as a second baseman. He's not a great second baseman. Um, they need to stop with that. Because I also remember when Betts was considered the lesser of the prospects between him and Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr. was the crown jewel of that minor league system. Jackie Bradley Jr. was supposed to be what Mookie Betts is now. See, I remember that. Mookie Betts honestly was an afterthought in Boston, and then when they put him out in the outfield and realized that Jackie Bradley Jr. couldn't hit – you know, oh my God! Hey, we we got we found we found this guy. We're respecting this guy. They need to leave him where he is. I understand he wants to go back to second base. Stop playing. This is this was wrong with the analytics nonsense. Stop playing games. Stop moving guys to positions that they're not used to playing. Okay, Mookie Best hasn't played second base and God knows when. That's a different skill. That's a different set of muscles that you're using. What you're asking to do is get him hurt. He did a nice okay. job there. 
He did a nice job there last year, though, when he did play there. Okay. When he gets hurt and he winds up on the I.L., just remember this conversation. I, I definitely will. And I, I, I am curious to see, though, and maybe not as much as second versus third because you don't have to use as much range at third base. But I do know that sometimes um, allowing a player to play some games on the infield uh, can at least be better on their legs and how much running they have to do. I don't think that's as much the case at second as third, though, because you have to have more range at second base. Well, remember, there's no shift now. There's no shift now. Right, and so that range is Mookie, even more magnified. Exactly, and most of Mookie Best's issues come from what? His legs, quick twitch. So now you're asking him to explode a lot more times a game than he does in the outfield. I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. But um, see, who else do we want to talk about? Have you watched any spring training? Uh, so I've watched some, uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of the Braves. I've been trying to get a look at Bond Grissom at shortstop to see if he can win this job. Uh, he's handed him the bat okay. He had a couple of uh, mishaps in the field today, but he seems to really be handling the position okay. So I've been kind of watching to see what happens with him and if Rosario and Osuna can hit. I mean, obviously, I, I do take a look at the Braves. I see that Matt Olson is actually in pretty good form right now, and Ozzy's playing well. Yeah. Um, and, and Strider and Free. Strider and Free look good at the top of the rotation. What is it, What are Braves fans' issues with, with Vaughn Grissom? I don't understand the problem because if you just watch him move, he's going to be a really good shortstop. So I don't understand why there's this, well, can he win the position? Or – Listen, guys make errors. I don't care about that. What, what, what I watch when I watch an infielder, because I played him, when I watch, I watch his feet placement, and I watch the way he throws, and I watch how they move. So the it's, the media, it's the media and the coaches and everybody feeding the narrative, right? He played some shortstop in the minor leagues, um, but when he came up, he played second, and the defensive metrics, for what it's worth, I don't put as much, a whole lot of stock into them, uh, but the defensive metrics said that he was uh, average at best at second base. Now, here's what I will tell you. He spent three separate weeks in the off season training every day with Ron Washington, who is one of the best infield coaches in baseball. Mm-hmm. And if Ron Washington says he can play the position, uh, I'm convinced that he can. Um, and yeah. so I, I think, I think that the idea is he's a 21-year-old kid. uh, And quite honestly, the reason why he got called up last year, um, you had Ozzy at second base. Ozzy gets hurt, and then his back goes down too. So they had to have another second baseman. And the kid that was probably ranked a little bit ahead of him um, is in spring camp with them still right now. uh, He came out of Texas A&M, a guy named Braden Shoemaker. And uh, okay. but Shoemaker got hurt about a week before this happened, and so they had to go get somebody. So they brought Grissom up, and I mean, when he first came up, he was blistering the baseball. He kind of struggled a little bit his last couple of weeks, you know. what I mean, because we know 
it's all about adjustments and can you continue to make the adjustments? And so, um, for the most part, he looked good at the plate. He looked a little bit overmatched at the very end of the season. And then um, move into a premium position. And let's be honest, like, Dansby was kind of the captain of that infield. He had been around pretty much since they started winning division titles again. So he was kind of sort of a, a big glue guy, one of the guys that people always sort of went to in that locker room. So those are kind of big shoes to sort of fill. And so uh, what I will say is this. I I think that it's not necessarily being fun as can he win the job. It's being fun as he's going to be given every chance to win that job. And so he's going to have to lose it more than a guy like Shoemaker or Orlando RC can win it. You know what I mean? Even if they have really good springs. So I think he yeah. definitely – I think he's definitely has the deck, the deck stacked in his favor. Uh, but they just want to make sure that um, he doesn't look like a liability out there, when, you know, as, as they progress through the spring. And if he doesn't, then he's going to be the starting shortstop on opening day. Okay, because like I said, if you just watch him move out there, that kid, that kid's going to be a really good shortstop. Um, I think, I think honestly, he's doubting himself because it, it, it appears that the team is doubting. Based on the narrative, because listen, that's yeah. part of the problem. Is is listen, these kids, they you know, help players. They read and hear everything, and you got a guy who already, you already, wow, well, we don't know, we don't know. Stop saying you don't know. But but say, I would say this. I would I would say this because Brian Snicker is a very very upfront guy as a manager of the Braves. He's a guy that's been with that organization since the Hank Aaron days, right? So like. I mean, uh, he is Atlanta Brave through and through, right? And the players really love him. And so from what I uh, heard on something that I just read, um, he sat Grissom down at the beginning of spring training and basically said, uh, this is your job to lose, kids, so don't worry about it. Just go out and relax and play free every day. Okay. So, okay. So, so – and so it, it, there might be certain things spun and read about in the media, but from what I was told, he just was basically told, you know, as long as you show us that you can handle it, this is your job, kid. Okay. And because I, I think that's what you should do. You know, um, tell the kid, listen, you're, you're a shortstop. You're going to play shortstop. Now, if it turns out you can't, we'll deal with that when it comes. But right now you're the shortstop, so don't worry about it. Um, but I just it, it, it kills me when teams kind of, Undercut their own players by keep well, we don't stop, you know, uh, miss me with that. But it's it's yeah, kind of what I see. Many, some of that's okay. media driven. Like I even saw, I even saw a piece in the off season where one guy was like, his bat's gonna play, but we don't know about his D. And it was one of their beat writers, right? And right. in the in the conversation, what he said was, you still kind of got a hole to fill in left field, so go get a really good glove shortstop. Even if they have to hit in the bottom of the order and. And put Vaughn Grissom in left field and leave him alone, and let him learn on the fly and learn the position. And so those are some of the things being said by reporters that are kind of feeding in uh, to that narrative. You're about to say the Mets okay. are doing the same thing with a certain player, Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio is going to be an all-star shortstop. Somebody. It's not going to be the New York Mets. <clears throat> because now people say, "Oh, it's because they have Lindor." It's not because they have Lindor. And it's not because they have Brett Beatty, who honestly is more of a first baseman than he is a third baseman. 
Fred Beatty is going to be a better first baseman than third baseman. Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a gold glove shortstop. But they keep picking and, and they keep finding every reason. And this is this is the, the team now, finding every reason. Because you hear but well, yeah, oh, Ronnie Mauricio is hitting good. Fuck me. Yeah, but he made an error the other day. Okay. A whole bunch of people have made errors, but why are you picking out that error for that kid? Why are you pointing out the one negative in the sea of positives? Because they don't want to bring him up. Because they honestly have no way to play him. Okay, understood. Stop devaluing him and go ahead and trade him. Go ahead and trade him. Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a really good shortstop. And I don't understand what the Mets organization is doing because you watch a Met game, you watch him play, you watch him get some hits, you watch him do some things, and after the game, invariably, one of the staff will talk about something that he didn't do versus everything that – and listen, I get it, but one of the things you always told us in the military, you, you praise in public, you criticize in private, unless somebody gives you no other choice but to criticize them in public, and then you flame them, okay? You don't hold back, you don't, you don't halfway – you go all in, I mean, you burn the village down. But this is, again, a young player who wants to make this roster, and it's like they're trying to find a reason to justify not having him. Because, honestly, if you don't want to play him at shortstop, make him your doggone designated hitter. That kid can hit. And he's huge. He is maybe a couple inches shorter than uh, O'Neal Cruz in Pittsburgh. If you look at Ronnie Mauricio's body, yeah, look at Ronnie Mauricio's, look at him. He looks like that was strawberry up there. That's how big this kid looks. So I don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to tell you now, keep an eye on this kid, Ronnie Mauricio, because he is going to be really good for somebody. It won't be the match. (laughs) Because I can see him get moved at the trade deadline. Um, it's, it's, I think this is going to be an interesting season because I think the Orioles have a chance. If the Orioles start off in their first 25 games, if they can be 15 and 10, they're going to have a magical season. If they go 10 and 15, it's going to be a train wreck. And I actually, so I agree with you there. The thing about the Orioles, I believe this. I don't think that progress is always linear, right? Right. Um, And I like a lot of the – I love what the Orioles did last year. You had guys like Santander, uh, you know, Dunmar Henderson came up late in the season. Uh, You had some of their young pitchers come up. This team found a way to stay competitive, and they were even in the playoff discussion in September last year, right? Um, I would not be surprised – now, if Tampa and the Red Sox struggle, depending on what, how much, uh, you know, what the Yankees can get out of that rotation, because they could struggle too. And if you've got three or four teams play average ball in this division this year, uh, then they really, really have a chance. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Orioles take a slight step back this year and then a much mm-hmm. bigger step forward next, next year. I, yeah. I feel like, and I, I could be wrong, but I feel like that 24 – is really the year for, for Baltimore. But I think that we'll see glimpses of it this year. Adley Rutschman, another guy. Um, yes. Really yes. impressed in his rookie year last year at the catcher position. Yes. So much so that even if he didn't start behind the plate, they kept his bat in the lineup. Yes. 
But that's um, one of the things I'm worried about with him is if you watch him, he is a gap-to-gap guy with power. He's going to hit a lot of doubles. I mean, a lot of doubles. As long as they don't try to turn him into a slugger, that kid is going to be a perennial all-star for a long time because of his back. And you can hit him second. You can hit him second behind a speecher like Moans at the top of that order. And now that Mm -hmm. the rules should open up the bases, if he gets a run and start and he hits it in the gap, he's going to score nine times out of ten. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Listen, uh, the kid, the pitcher, Grayson Rodriguez, I want to see what he's going to do. It's going to be really interesting because we got a bunch of kids who had a little success, but now people, there's some expectations. What are you going to do now? You're going to try to do more than you need to do because there's nobody on that. There's nobody in that clubhouse that's won anything. You, I mean, the, the most, the, 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 basically the team, the leader of the team, Cedric Mullins, he's done nothing but lose his entire career. So when they get into those patches, who's going to be the guy that steps up and says, this, it's okay, we can do this? What are, you, what are you leaning on there? Where's the veteran that you're going to lean on who says, listen, I've been through this. It's not that big a deal. That's where I think that they're lacking. I think they should get a guy like that this season, not wait till next season, to have somebody like that to kind of prepare you for 2024. Because I, you're right, I think 2024 is going to be the year where we should really – Expect them to make a lot of noise. So, um, what do you what do you got to talk about, Mike? Anything you want to talk about? Or you want to keep talking baseball? Uh, so, we could definitely uh, we could definitely keep hitting uh, hitting a little bit of baseball. I do want to mention a couple of uh, a, a couple of pieces of news. Um, I was wrong, by the way, the other day. Um, the Giants are franchising uh, Saquon Barkley, and they did uh, work out a four-year deal for Daniel Jones. Um, also, Georgetown announced today that Patrick Ewing uh, is not going to be back as head coach in a move that should have surprised nobody, as Georgetown's record has not been the, what you know they were hoping it would be under him. Uh, so that's a... Uh, that's another thing. And then, once again, clown culture type stuff at Texas Tech, um, saying some things that shouldn't have been said uh, by that head basketball coach. So now he's stepping down. So, uh, you know, not a, not a good thing uh, Not a good thing going on I'm there. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. I have a problem with that coach having to step down. I have a problem with that. Okay. Let's let's first stipulate where we're talking about. Talking about Texas, right? There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of God and God and God, right? There's a whole lot of that going on, right? Let's stipulate to that and all of that good stuff. He quoted a passage from the Bible, and because of one word in it, he had to he had to quit his job. See, sometimes a word is just a word. Sometimes a word is just a word that is being used in a sentence. Sometimes that's all it is. Doesn't mean that it means this. Oh, he said this word, so no, 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 no. The word slave isn't just about black people. 
Slavery has been going on in every culture for generations on end, since, since man crawled out of caves. Somebody was enslaving somebody. So the way that was portrayed, the way that was put out there, I got a problem with that, man. Now, if you want to say he shouldn't have quoted a Bible passage, okay, fine. But all of this centers around one word in a passage. So make it make sense for me. <clears throat> yeah, was he really trying to call the guy a slave and all this? I mean, I, I understand the sensitivity of the word, and I understand um, how he's criticized for it. But, um, you know, I, my question would be, have we seen other racist behavior or other things on behalf of that coach, or has he made other uh, players feel discriminated against or less than because of color or anything else? Um, those would be questions that I would want answered before I said, yes, yeah, let's, uh, let's tell this guy he's better off stepping down. Um, I, you know, the, the, the thing is, is in today's, cancel culture society. Uh, there are certain things that if you say, regardless of what the intent was behind it, intent doesn't matter anymore. It's all about perception. Yeah, and the parent and context it, doesn't matter either. <laughs> yeah, and if it's perceived a certain way, you're gone. Right? Like, and I, I, once again, I'm not saying that I necessarily support that. I, uh, I do think perceptions are important, but I think that we have to be careful saying that perceptions are the only things that matter, and we can't even look at the person's intentions. And and look who look who they're talking about bringing in as the new coach. By the way, I did not see who was with it. That would be Mr. Beard. Oh, the guy that the guy that left them to go to Austin in the first place, right? And who then got to leave there because of a situation, and now a domestic see, domestic violence. Yeah. yeah. So and, now, and listen, now you're gonna now you're gonna let a guy step down who made an inappropriate comment, but bring <laughs> back a guy who pretty much had to leave his previous job because of domestic violence. And here's the thing, right? Like, yeah, but the cops didn't charge him. Listen. Something happened, right? Something this is a paper cut versus hitting somebody in the head with a hammer. Yes. Yes. It's like something happened with Mr. Beard and his significant other. Something happened because the cops came. There were injuries. Now, whether she said he did or then she recanted, listen, that's a conversation that we don't have enough time to get into about with domestic violence and people recanting and not wanting to press charges, uh, and then you're dealing with self-esteem issues and all kinds of other things. Okay, that's a whole right. topic in, in of itself. It doesn't mean doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Okay, but I'm not gonna criticize her if she chose not to follow through because it's very hard for somebody that's in that situation to follow through and go through all the things they have to go through and people judging them and saying, "Well, what did you do?" and all of that. So. I'm going to put a pin in that particular part of it, but something happened. And something happened to the level that you hurried up and got him up out of there, which says to me that that wasn't the first thing that had ever happened. It was just the first thing that got publicized. Because we know with with big-time sports and and professional um, 
sports. Here's something that they know. They know when you're doing things. And what they do is they wait till something becomes public, and then they get rid of you. Because as long as it don't become public, they don't care. They don't care if you're beating the hell out of your significant other. Well, you got court doing it, now we got to let you go. You think that uh, they, the Boston Celtics didn't know that Ime Udoka was running around and sleep with everything that moved? You think they didn't know that? Of course but when somebody made it, But when somebody made an issue of it, they hurried him and got him up out of there, didn't they? So something else, this, this was not just a one-time thing. And Ted said, oh, you got to go. But this is, dude, this is <laughs> the craziness of college and professional sports, the hypocrisy is mind-boggling sometimes. It really, really is. Um, and you brought well, the like Daniel Ole, Jones thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, no. It's like, so Ole Miss uh, decides that they want to move on from uh, <clears throat> Kermit Davis, Jr., who's a pretty good basketball coach. I mean, maybe not in the SEC, but he's had a couple of good years. It's just, you know, they've struggled the last couple of seasons. But let's be honest, Ole Miss is not a basketball powerhouse. Um, right. And this is a guy that Kermit Davis Jr. is a Mississippi boy. He's from Mississippi. He was the head coach of Middle Tennessee State when they, as a number 15 seed, knocked off Michigan State as a number two seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So uh, don't tell me the man can't coach, right? Mm-hmm. So – they they let this man go, and then <laughs> within 24 hours, I read a newspaper article out of Mississippi with possible replacements for Kermit Davis in Oxford, Mississippi. And you want to know who the first two names I read on the list were? Who? Chris Beard mm-hmm. and the American gangster Will Wade. Oh, Wow. Will Wayne, you can't who was on the FBI taps and had to had to leave LSU, and we still mm-hmm. don't know. We still don't know if there's going to be other sanctions against LSU or not. I think they fired the coach to try to get out from any of that once the investigation started. They built a clause in this contract that said if we get investigated it, because of your actions, we can fire you. Right. And <laughs> so then, what happened? Maybe. Wade gets to go coach somewhere else when, when the LSU program goes on probation, when none of those players that he recruited are even there anymore. So then the next oh coach and the next players have to pay the price. Wow. Uh, to, to me, to me, if you're going to give a guy, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but if you're going to give a guy like Bruce Pearl from his – actions at Tennessee, if you're going to give him a show cause and he can't coach for an extended period of time, then that needs to also be the same for Will Wade, and it doesn't need to be retroactive to the beginning of the season, right? Like, it needs to start when that comes down. Because otherwise, even if LSU, hopefully by by letting him go or whatever else, hopefully they don't have any you know, postseason bans or whatever, and, you know, if you're LSU, you just said that you want to serve this year because you're not going to make the postseason anyway. But right. hopefully they don't have any major postseason bans or anything 
that really, you know, can hamstring a program uh, for a long period of time. But if they're going to face any sanctions, then the guy who was the head coach and the man in charge should definitely face sanctions as well. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, Absolutely. because we were going to talk about mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, and, and let's do that in a second. Um, I did want to let Sports City know uh, I am trying to get approval because it would kind of be a different dynamic. Uh, so I'm trying to get a couple of other chefs to tell me it would be okay. Uh, next weekend is the NCAA wrestling tournament, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so um, I got a very good friend of mine that uh, understands the sport as well as I do. And so I'm trying to get an okay from the powers that be to do a half an hour, an hour show, and just kind of break down the brackets and preview that tournament. Um, but I just got to get want to do show? What time do you want to do show? I'll create the show and they can yell at me. What time do you want to do show? <laughs> uh I'll get a confirmation from him, but the tournament starts Thursday, so uh, we'll probably do it okay. one, day, one day next week. You let sure. me know. I'll so. schedule a show, and they can yell at me. I don't care. I ain't asking nobody permission <laughs> for nothing. I don't ask permission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ask nobody permission. I'm a grown man. I ain't asking you permission for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so keep a lookout next week. Uh, Jason and I and Chandler can come on and uh, chop it up with us and look at it if he wants to. But we will uh, break down the brackets for the NCAA tournament, and I'll also try to get these guys to. Uh, we'll post the uh, a link for the brackets on our uh, on our Sports City Chefs website, so people can see it if they want to. Because there is going to be lots of coverage on like the ESPN Family Networks next weekend, because you know they don't cover the uh, they don't cover the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament. And I know that a lot of people are going to be watching basketball, but just uh, there's a lot of commercials and things, so. Between ESPN and ESPNU, there's going to be some pretty fun brackets. So we're going to try to break those down and do a show uh, early part of next week and go through that. So uh, just be on the lookout for that, Sports City. Cool deal. Cool deal. What I was going to say before we get to Daniel Jones is I think what, what should happen when coaches get caught, however many years the program is on probation, the coach should be on probation for twice as long. So let's say the team the team gets three years probation, right? Coaches coaches for six. Yeah, that's fair. And it and it starts when the probation starts. Okay, and so you want to go take another job? Okay, um, yeah, you can't take another job for six years, bro. Sorry about that. Because I'm tired of them punishing players, but the coaches can just go get another job. Will Wade should never work in college basketball again. He should never work in college sports again. But he's going to have a job soon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but it's all about the kids. Never forget, Brent, it's all about the student athlete. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the most <laughs> important part. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I hate about NFL players? And I'll say this until the day I die. NFL players are cowards. They are cowards. Here's what you'll never hear in baseball or basketball. You'll never hear somebody say, that guy shouldn't have got that money. You never hear them say that. Because they understand the concept that, one, the more money anybody gets means the more money I can get. Two, you are now giving cover to these owners when they don't want to pay. They say, well, your own company. 
your own colleague said you didn't deserve that money or that guy didn't deserve the money and you're, you're comparable to him. So we can't give you the money. Hey, don't blame us. Blame your association, your union. They said you somebody like you doesn't deserve that money. So, you know, why, why should we pay you? You don't talk about somebody shouldn't have gotten some money. You say, yay, Daniel Jones, because the next middle of the road quarterback comes up, guess what? He's going to get paid too. 20 mil. You, yeah. you got guys criticizing Daniel. Wow, Dan, how do you go give Daniel Jones all that money? What? Seriously? And, of course, you, you have maybe two guys talking about the fact that they're colluding against Lamar. This is why they don't have guaranteed contracts. This is why, because what should be happening right now is every young quarterback that's coming up for a contract should publicly say, listen, look, y'all better give Lamar his money, because if you don't give it to him, you're going to give it to me. I'm telling you right now, I am not accepting less than this amount of guaranteed money, period, end of story. Instead, you got crickets, crickets. Lamar Jackson is going to have to sit out at least the first four games of the season. At least. I, you know what? I could see Lamar Jackson sitting out the entire year unless they give him his money or they trade him to somebody who's going to give him his money. But once now again. The franchise tag, they did a restricted franchise tag. So now anybody can match. He can go uh, test the market. He's not going to get the same kind of money as even Daniel Jones. But if one team is willing to pay, I figure that the Ravens do not want to match, and they can work out a trade, and they can get two first-round draft picks in return. Maybe they'll use one of them on Anthony Richardson. Yeah, but the thing is, Lamar has to agree to that to that deal, and Lamar is not agreeing to any deal that doesn't include a certain amount of fully guaranteed money. Right. So it doesn't matter what's going to what is that's what that's that's the part people keep missing. They're like, oh, he had an agent. Why do y'all want so badly for this man to have an agent? Oh, because you want access to the agent. Because you want to know what's going on. You don't get, you don't give a damn about Lamar getting his money. What it is, you want him to have an agent because you have relationships with these agents. So now you can say, well, sources say from Lamar's camp. Every NFL player right now should be standing on a desk saying, y'all better pay Lamar because this is now the going rate. And instead, we got nothing. Oh, but we can criticize Daniel Jones for getting his money. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you might as well accept it. I mean, it's going to cost you, until some of these uh, TV deals, unless some of this money starts coming down, which it's not going to, it's going to cost you $40 million for a quarterback. For a legit franchise quarterback, at least. Because Deshaun got, now, it was uh, very much prorated in the first year so that it wouldn't cost him as much. Uh, but Deshaun got five years at 230. So that's 46 a year. And if Deshaun Watson can get that, uh, winner of maybe one playoff game in his life, mm. uh, then mm. I, then how do you not give it to a former league MVP? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Deshaun Watson has been hurt just as much as Lamar Jackson. Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt just as much as Lamar Jackson. But I don't hear anybody bring up their injury history when they talk about them. And here's the you piece. can say more. Let's say Deshaun lost the whole yes, season at one point. Let's say Lamar plays on the franchise tag this season, next season. You're going to pay him $90 million. And then he's going to be a free agent at 28. And actually, so I don't even think it's that high, Chandler. I think it's 30 to 35 because of the restricted. It's not even the full well, no, franchise no. Yeah, tag. So it's... Right. That's this season. Next season, it'll be 50. That's about $80 okay, million. Right. You're going to pay him between $80 million over the next two seasons on franchise tags. Right. Now, at 28, he'll be a free agent. Well, the going rate at that point is going to be $60 million. It's not going down. You don't want to give him, yeah, you don't want to give him 40, but you're going to wind up giving him 60. See, this is, this is the stupidity of, of these teams. They never want to – you pay a guy early. You offer him a lot of money early, which is still below market, by the time he would have gotten a free agency. But it's above market right now. But Penny Cincinnati Wise better do that with Joe Burrow, too. If they want to try to keep they're Chase and or Higgins or keep that, they better do that with him, too. Otherwise, uh, they're going to let it go to free agency, and then he's going to price himself out of there. The smart thing for Cincinnati to do right now is offer Burrow an eight-year extension at around 350 right now. Mm-hmm. That and and make, it about, make it about 200 or 250 guaranteed. Yep. Give him... So Deshaun Watson's contract was five years at 230, and it was all guaranteed. If you were to offer Burrow eight years at 350, make it 230 guaranteed. Give him the same guaranteed money that Deshaun got. It might be over a longer period of time, and time you can kick it down the road and convert some bonuses and that kind of thing to try to be able to uh, keep Chase in house and maybe figure out what to see if there's any way you can keep Chase and Higgins both. Yeah, because in two years, that, that, that contract's going to look like a bargain. Mm-hmm. That contract will be a sure. bargain in two years. But they're not it, doing it. It already puts his average annual income at less than what Deshaun makes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's not starting for three years, because remember the extension only kicks in at the end of this, con- at the end of this contract. <clears throat> So you got three yeah, years so got, of him he's got below two market. More years. He's, been, he's been in the league three now, so it'd be two more. Okay, so yeah, two more years below market. And by the time you get to that, when the extension kicks in, he's still below market. And it, and then it allows you to do something with it allows you to do something with Higgins and Chase because Higgins has one more year, I believe. Uh, and you have to make the decision what to do with the fifth year because him and Burrow came in at the same time. And then Chase follows that next year. So if you can somehow uh, convert some bonuses and you can shift to where you don't have all these contracts come up the same year, right? So you got to do something to get Higgins and Burrow in two different seasons. And then if you do that, like say you um, – don't offer him the fifth year, but you work out a long-term deal for Higgins, so then his contract comes up next year, Burroughs comes up the following year, and then that would be Chase's fifth year in the league, right? So and that's, that's, that's why I say you offer – but that's why you offer Burroughs the extension now. Right. 
That's what you yeah, want for Burley. You got sta- to you know. stagger these if you can keep. Them. If there's any way you're going to be able to keep them, you're going to have to stagger. Exactly. But as I remember saying a few years ago, that the Giants. I think after Barkley's second season, I said the Giants should go ahead and, and offer him a deal right now to take him through age 28. Offer him a deal right now to take him through age 28. You get him at below market. If they had offered him, if they had offered him after his second season, 10 million a year, right? For the next. If they had offered mm-hmm. him a $50 million deal, no, say 70, like $50 million guaranteed, he would have signed that no problem. Mm-hmm. So he would be a $10 million a year running back right now. Which is a bargain. <laughs> now, instead, they're going to have to pay him 13 or 14 This is not rocket science, man. This is not rocket science. You are dealing with a finite amount of income. So what you want to do is look down the road to say, okay, how can I, even though this, this amount of money, this cap keeps going up, I want to constantly be ahead of the cap. So what I want to do is I want to pay guys early and push it out longer so that by the time, as that cap grows, the amount of money they're counting against my cap is actually shrinking. Mm-hmm. So paying the first year and pleasure the next few years. But you know, hey, what do I know, man? I'm just you know, I'm just some guy. You know, I'm just some guy. <laughs> because people keep talking about the Padres. How you do not loving your deals? If you actually look at what the Padres are doing, what they're doing is very smart. Because as time goes on, those deals will become bargains, which means they'll be able to move those contracts. Need need to. To. And, and and by doing it this way, they lock Bogarts up. They work. They rework Machado's deal, and they do Machado's deal in such a way that it's backloaded. Um, right. So it actually gives them the ability to really make a push to possibly re-sign uh, Juan Soto uh, mm-hmm. after next season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, if they can keep if they can keep Juan Soto in San Diego with Machado and with Bogarts and you know let's see what happens with uh, let's see what happens with Fernando Tatis uh, this right. year once he gets back after the twenty games, but if he uh, looks anything like the player that he was projected to be, uh, this San Diego team can be hurt from for a while. You continue continue right. to draft pitching. Um, then you got a little bit of a surplus in the infield with that Kim and Cronenworth. So maybe if you have them and at least one or two good prospects, maybe you can flip it for another pitcher. But they have actually started to address the top of that rotation a little bit more now. So you have you have uh, Darvish and you have Snell and you have uh, Musgrove, even though he broke his toe. And then they got another guy to go in that rotation too, and it escapes me right now who it was, but they went and got another guy to go in that rotation, and even Lugo looks like a swingman, possibly, if not a fifth starter. So yep. Yep. Uh, they've they've done some more to address that starting pitching, and now not trading in the middle of the season. Now Josh Hader probably settles down in the back of that bullpen, much like he did in Milwaukee for several years. And right. they got some middle relievers that were throwing gas out of that pen. I, I think oh, yeah. that um, I think the Padres uh, provided help. Um, this could be their year to win the National League West. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I look at 
what everybody f- failed to realize about Giancarlo Stanton's contract, everybody kept talking about, oh, the, Yan- the Yankees are only paying Giancarlo Stanton about $21 million a year. Think about that for a minute. He is actually undervalued. That's actually a bargain for a guy who's going to invariably hit you 30 to 40 home runs, drive in 90 to 100 RBIs. You're only giving you're only paying to play 100 games and still hit you 35, 40 home runs. Exactly. And you're only paying him 20 million a year. That's 25 to 30 million. Listen, uh, how much is Trey Turner getting a year? How much is Trey Turner getting a year? But, again, it's Pennywise. He just signed something like 11 years and $300 million or something like that. Yes. So, yes. I mean, you're talking yes. close to $30 million a year. Right, right. It, it, if you, and then Bogart's both. Front. Bogart's got 11 and 280 or something like that. So Right, right. Uh, and if, if you're smart, you front load. See, I believe in front load contracts, that as time goes on, you, you, the, the number goes down, which means that, okay, at the, towards the end of the contract, yeah, but at the end of the contract, the contract's not going to end well. Okay, but I'm not paying him that much at that point. So and so to I, me, I, I agree with you, except it depends on what the roster looks like, right? So, like, um, I, I generally like the idea of front-loading as well, right? But if I have – a big name free agent or two that I've got to figure out how I can sign this year or next. And it's going to make a difference. And I know I got some other contracts coming off the books of guys that probably aren't going to be there anymore. Then I can see a situation in which it could be beneficial to backload certain deals. Um, but I, but I, I agree with, uh, I agree with you. If you're, if you're flush with the money, and you can do it, then you front load it because then it starts to become more of a bargain later in the deal. But I'm just saying I can see a situ- I can see a situation or certain circumstances in which you would do the opposite. Yeah, see, if you think the player's going to age badly, you front load the contract. If you think they'll Correct. age well, you back load the contract. That's to me. That's what it comes down to. If how, do you, how are they going to age? Like, anybody that looked at Miguel Cabrera's body knew that he was going to keep getting bigger, right? So his contract should have been front-loaded. He shouldn't have been 40 years old making $40 million. Because had they and, front-loaded and if he's his not, contract... And if he's not making $40 million, he's probably tradable. I mean, that's the other thing, because, because if you look at his experience and you look at, it, at his body of work, there may be a team that says, you know what, like, he is one of the best right-handed hitters of this generation. And mm-hmm. maybe we just had a guy get hurt at first base, or we had a DH get hurt, or, you know, maybe we can move another guy to first base and slide him into the DH spot. But maybe we believe that if we can go get that back, and put him in the middle of a pennant race where the games really matter, that he can mm-hmm. still turn around a few fastballs and really do some damage for us. Exactly. And see, but they were stuck with him because nobody's picking up their con- – listen, I might be trying to win a series. I'm not paying I'm not paying the 41-year-old guy $40 million. That's not happening. I'm not paying you your age. <laughs> I'm not paying you your age. I, I have a question for you. 
I read uh-huh. um, <clears throat> I read somewhere that uh, Billy Hamilton is going back to spring training, and he is mm-hmm. on uh, the he's at White Sox camp. Um, we know that he's always been able to cover some ground in center field. So now, if you look at the um, the drop numbers. I mean, the, the limited number of pickoffs and that kind of stuff. Is he a guy this year that maybe doesn't play every day, but is he a guy this year that could carve out a spot on a roster simply because of his speed, his ability to steal bases? If I'm a team in a big ballpark, absolutely. If I'm a team like Pittsburgh, if I'm a team like uh, the Diamondbacks, Colorado, San Francisco, um, Baltimore, where, listen, that ballpark doesn't play small anymore. Detroit, that ballpark doesn't play small. I absolutely have him on my roster. Absolutely have him on my roster. If I'm the White Sox, I might have him. Because if I could, Luis Robert can hit. We know that. Um, yeah, but he can't stay he healthy. Hasn't been, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And so um, do you maybe consider at least – you know that Billy Hamilton can cover ground in center field. Now, that is a small mm-hmm. ballpark, but do you put him in center field and bat him ninth and leave him alone a couple games a week and move Robert out of the center field spot and put him at DH? You know what I mean? Just to give just to give his legs some breaks, maybe? Or even put him in a corner spot. That'd be a hell of a defensive outfield. Right. But yeah, that's absolutely something I would do. Listen, I like Billy Hamilton. The problem with Billy Hamilton is the fact that he has actually gotten out of his thrive because there's – but here's the thing. There, because there's no shift, he'll actually thrive now because most of the balls he hit, he's a slap hitter. A lot of the balls he hit, if there were no shift, would have gone through. You want a guy who hits the ball on the ground now. You want a guy mm-hmm. who can punch it in the holes. He is now built for this iteration of baseball. Right? Adding the pitch clock, bigger bases. Billy Hamilton right now is worth at least three quarters of a run per game to any team that he's on. He's worth mm-hmm. he's worth an extra three quarters of a run, and he's going to save you probably two. So that's two and three. That's basically three runs a game. Yeah, he's making mm-hmm. a difference. He's making a difference of three runs a game. How do you not want that on your roster? I, I, I have a feeling he won't be on anybody's roster. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Chandler, I'm with you for the next what? Fourteen minutes or so. It is nine thirty tonight. Yep. All right. So uh, feel free to call in if you want to join us. We're just talking baseball. Talk a little bit about uh, football, basketball. Just kind of uh, talking about anything that comes to mind uh, now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chandler. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this John Morant situation. Did the, mm. Am I missing this? Did the league suspend this man 50 games? Did they? What? Uh, what did uh, you see that? Uh, let, me, let me double check that because I thought I saw somebody that he got a 50-game suspension from the NBA. If they gave him 50 games, I got a problem with that. Because this guy's done a hell of a lot worse than that and didn't get suspension like that. 
Right. Um, I don't yeah, see it. Yeah, let me. Uh, I, I'm he shouldn't be suspended at all. Yeah, he shouldn't be suspended at all. Because honestly, right now, this is the suspension. This is the suspension. Because you said, well, yeah, but he's making money. But his team is losing. His team is going to lose games without him. Now, I know they, they smoked uh, Golden State tonight, but listen, Golden State is trash on the road. Everybody knows that. So what did you expect? But the Grizzlies are one and done now in the playoffs. They're one and done because he's not, he's not going to be the same guy. Their, their seating is going to be different. I don't see them winning a series in the playoffs um, because he's going to come, have to come back and he's going to have to have to mend some fences in that locker room. I okay. could see the only team I could see them beating in the first round maybe would be uh, the Dallas Mavericks. And the yeah, only okay. reason why I okay, say yeah. that. The only reason why I say it is because they're still trying to get it figured out. Now, if they figure it out by the postseason, then maybe they don't. But I do think that this Grizzlies team, with or without John in the lineup, do play pretty well as a unit. And uh, Dallas adding Kyrie, trying to get all that figured out, they still look very disjointed to me, right? And so um, that that's the only team – out of the teams that they could possibly match up with that I could see them possibly beating in the first round. Maybe maybe the Clippers, just because of how much they've underperformed uh, this year uh, because of home court. But even if they were to win a first-round series, not saying that they will, but even if they were to win a first-round series, I don't expect them to compete as well in that second round, even if they have home court. I think whoever, right. you know, if they if they have now if they fall to a four, they end up playing Phoenix in the first round. That's going to be bad news, even with even if Durant's on the court. I think. Yeah, I, it, and that's what I'm saying. I think this is the suspension because um, he's he's going to be going at least four more games. And honestly, if he's really working on himself. I don't see him coming back before the playoffs. No, I do. I don't see him coming back before the playoffs. If this is truly about him trying to, 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 to do some work on himself, that's not a two-week thing. It's not a two-week thing. If this is truly about him making the adjustments in his life that he needs to make, removing the people that he needs to remove, that's not a two-week thing, man. That's not a two-week thing. It's an ongoing no, thing, not if you're but it's going to take longer than two weeks. Not if you're trying weeks. to make changes. That, not if you're trying to make changes that stop. I mean, this is. I mean, that stick. This is not like you need to go to a inpatient psychiatric facility and get your meds straightened out because your medicines aren't working as much anymore, and so we need to get you back stable. That's not what we right. have going on here. Right. This this is about him sitting down and doing some some real soul searching. This is about him looking around at who's in his life, removing them, and that's going to be sticky and tricky to remove people and, and establishing boundaries and not just establishing the boundaries but be, but sticking to the boundaries and enforcing the boundaries and being okay with enforcing the boundaries. That's longer than a two-week job. It's a hell of a lot longer than a two-week job. But I don't, I don't see why he should be suspended. 
like I said, the, the having the men defenses in the locker room, which, is again, is something he should be working on now as well. He should be reaching out to guys on that team that had a problem with him like Steven Adams and talking to him and saying, listen, man, you know, um, let's, have, let's have dinner. Let's sit down and talk so we can try to, you know, clear the air here and see where we stand and see what, what needs to happen for us to be able to continue to coexist in that locker room. You ain't got to like me. I ain't got to like you. You don't have to agree with me. But we have to have some kind of mutual respect and understanding and professionalism. And if you, you, want, to be, and if you want to be the point guard, and the true leader and the quarterback on the court, then you've got to grow up and you've got to, you've got to be the one to facilitate these relationships and even be willing to go to these veterans because it, even if they don't really want to, it's going to mean a lot to mm-hmm. them if you as a young guy are willing to step out of your bubble and out of your comfort zone and away from your entourage and approach these guys man-to-man and talk to them. Because, you, listen, yep. you're, you get right, and you have a chance to be one of the brightest stars in the league. You have a chance mm-hmm. to be the leader of this franchise. But you've got to be the leader. You've got to be a true leader. You can't just be the, the high scorer, right? Right. And if Memphis is going to come anywhere close to its ceiling, that's what needs to happen. Now, I will say yeah. the, the only other thing I will say is, I also did read, I know this one for sure, and that is uh, the Colorado police uh, smartly said there were going to be no charges of any kind against John Morant, um, with the statement being that there's just not enough evidence there. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to charge him with? Being stupid? Right. We're going to trust you for being stupid. If that's the case, you better be locking a whole lot of people up. There's a whole lot of people on IG showing guns in the club. You you better I'm like to go through everybody you know, go through everybody Instagram post. All right. <laughs> Come on, man. I that was that was a grandstand play, uh, by the by by the police department. It was grandstanding. I ain't got time for that in a sense. You know, nobody filed it nobody filed nobody uh filed any complaints, nobody said anything. Um the only people who had a problem, you know, the only again, nobody even knew he had a gun in the club if he hadn't put it, if he hadn't put his own cell phone blast. So Miss right. me with the world, you know, we're investigating. Miss, shut up. Somebody trying to hear from you. Go away. But, um, so we got about five Kevin minutes left. Say again? Kevin Durant's heard again. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Um, and this is why when he went there and everybody crowned them, everybody crowned their asses, as Denny Green would say, I said, you crown them, crown them. <laughs> you know, I said, miss me with that because – you traded away all your depth, and this is, again, why I talked about John Wall going to Phoenix because Chris Paul is going to get hurt. Kevin Durant is going to get hurt. Okay? Who else is there that can score? John Wall would be really good coming off the bench for you right now, Phoenix, because you know he can score, so don't ask him to be a point guard. Don't make him a starter. Just bring him in and say, John, give us buckets. That's all. But, hey, what do I know? You trade away all your debt for a guy who's a walking injury right now. But, yeah, okay. How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, and, <laughs> you know, he has played more. Uh, Anthony Davis has played more games since the All-Star break and been more effective in LA than uh, Kevin Durant has been in teams. Uh, now, it's just a matter of time for Anthony Davis to probably go down as well. He's taking time off. Exactly. But, 
But he has yeah. been on the court. The other night, everybody said uh, a couple people came into the barbershop on Clubhouse and said he's out. Uh, I, honestly, I was doing a couple other things, so I didn't get a chance to look until I saw that night. Oh, no, he went for 30 and 10. So uh, he was not out. Um, and, you know, this this Lakers team, I will say, uh, you know, we'll see uh, if LeBron can make it back. But this Lakers team right now, until or unless they do anything to continue to shake up this roster, they're going to go as far as Anthony Davis can take them. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he's right. He can body up on Jokic. He can play defense. He's a problem offensively on both ends of the floor. But he's the team. I mean, he's the guy uh, that has to that has to carry this team. Yeah. And yeah. I, and and his uh, he tends to buckle under that pressure due to injuries and whatever else. But um, you know, for them to even make the playoffs and possibly get out of the play-in or whatever. And contend he has to uh, he has to be on the court and healthy. And I would argue that it's more it's more important for that Lakers team to have Anthony Davis than it is to have LeBron. So they both are very important for them. I think Anthony Davis is more important for this franchise right now. For right now, yeah, I would say I would call them equal, but that will be a conversation for another day. We got about two minutes left, so we're going to start our closing up of the pots and cleaning up and washing dishes. Um, Mike, thanks again for coming. I'm, you know, I'm let, you know, I always let you do the clothes out, but thank you for coming. I'm glad you was able to spend some good time with your son. Like I said, that's always more important than anything else. Um, for those that didn't hear it earlier, Mike is going to be doing a show, a wrestling show. Um, I'm going to schedule it. I don't care what anybody else says. If they don't like it, they can come see me. I'm up in Newark, New York. Come see me, Ty, if you don't like it. Come see me. <laughs> so we will, uh, I'll get together with uh, Jason that Chandler. It's always a pleasure to uh, chop it up and talk sports with you, man. Uh, you know, the first couple of times that, uh, that we started doing this, I was like, let's see how this goes. This should be fun. And um, the more and more you and I do this together, the more I enjoy it, man. It's, it's one of the highlights of my week. So uh, every Thursday night, man, we're going to keep coming back at you with uh, the roundtable gumbo. Uh, probably going to see what's going on with a baseball-only show. We may have to turn that into that, uh, uh, but we'll see. Always a lot of other interesting things going on in the world of sports. Don't forget PHI Apparel. Check them out, phiapparel.co. Get your uh, – put in chefs at checkout. Get yourself that uh, 15% discount. Uh, you got the Sunday morning brunch, the time of Sunday morning brunch at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we'll probably have uh, another football show coming up before the draft. The college cookout should be back soon on Wednesday nights. Don't forget, don't forget Chandler and I on, uh, on Thursdays at Roundtable Gumbo. Like I said, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blog, the website, everything we got going on. Check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. And be on the lookout for the NCAA wrestling uh, special next week. And... And Louisiana, they always say, laissez les bon temps rouler. And in the words of the head chef, man, tell a friend to tell a friend. It's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. We out. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Light it up, enjoy the ride. 